Well, praise God, it's a wonderful day. Amen. Obviously, it's Communion Sunday, but it's also, it's um, the 4th of July weekend. You know, two days we'll celebrate um, our freedom as a nation. But I want to, before we start, I want to talk a couple of things about only in America. Some funny things here. It says only in America can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. Only in America are there handicapped parking spaces in front of a skating rink. Um, Only in America do drugstores make sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get their prescriptions while healthy people can buy cigarettes at the front. (laughs) Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. Um, only in America do we, have, do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our junk in the garage. Doesn't my house too. All right. Only in America do we use our, this is obviously old because we don't have answer machines anymore, but only in America do we use our answer machines to screen calls and have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to in the first place. Only in America do we buy hot dogs and packages of 10 and buns and packages of eight, which makes no sense for you guys that are going to have a little hot dogs, um, you know, on the July 4th um, weekend or I guess Tuesday. Um, You know, my sermon today, I guess, will probably a great title is Let Freedom Ring. And um, today we're going to talk about both natural and spiritual freedom. You know, we have natural freedom and we have spiritual freedom. Um, Probably a lot of people have accused me of being very patriotic, and I am. Um, Most of the things in life I get from my grandfather, my outlook in life, pretty much much the way I I speak, the way I talk, the way I think. But the one thing I did get from my dad is my sense of patriotism. My dad bleeds red, white, and blue. He loves his country just as much as he loves God. You know, and I love this country. And I want to make sure this country always remains free. And you know, um, people have given their life for this flag right here. And it hurts my heart to see someone desecrate the flag. It hurts my heart to see young people that don't really care about this great country. I get it. You know, this country might not be perfect, but if you travel the world, you're going to find, you know, we are the best country in the world. And the other day I was thinking about this, and I don't mean to cry, but, you know, I know that I'm here for such a time as this. But I also know, and I thank God that I was born in the United States of America. And I've known freedom all my life. And I want to make sure that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren have the same freedoms that I enjoy. And that's why I do believe it's important. Now, one thing my grandfather did always teach us is that there's two things about this country we should do. Number one, we should pray. All right, we should pray for this country. Number two, he always said we should vote. And he said these words, if you don't vote, you can't gripe. 
You know, there's a lot of people that don't vote. Now, you know, and I want to say this too, because I think it really matters. A lot of people vote when it comes to a national, you know, national election president, you know, your senators or whatever, but you don't even show up at a, at a local election. You realize that your mayor, your, your school board, your city council has a lot to do with what goes on, you know, in your life. Um, and if you haven't realized it, you should have realized it during the whole COVID situation that it's very you know, concerning. So I want to encourage everyone, if you haven't already, to register. Right now, it's the off-season, I guess, when it comes to political things, although there is no off-season. We're already running for 2024 election. But, um, you know, now's the time to register. But I want to talk about July 4th, 1776. That was the, when we signed the Declaration of Independence. Um, it was signed by 56 delegates to the Second Continental Congress who came to be known as our nation's founding fathers. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. You know, they were willing to risk everything to make sure that this nation became free. Now, most of us, um, we know the preamble of the declaration. It says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, um, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive, of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Now, um, these unalienable rights, what is an unalienable right? Because it's not something that we talk about. It is a right that may not be taken away or transferred. The reason you can't take it away because those inalienable rights come from your creator, come from God himself. The government didn't create our rights. God did. The right to pursue happiness, the right, you know, it says this, there's three basic ideas in the Declaration of Independence is number one, God made all men and gave them the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, all men are created equal. And that means we should have equal justice. You know, it doesn't mean that we should, we should celebrate one area more than the other area. We, we, we're created equal. Now, I real, realize in the United States of America, we have freedom. And because of your freedom, you're also free to be an idiot. You're free to be stupid, all right? All that have a book, don't be stupid. But you're, you know, we have the right to be stupid. We have a right to be an idiot. You know, some people, and you know, and I want to fight for that right that you can live life the way you want to live it, um, even though I don't approve of it. Um, but you do not have a right to affect our children. You know, and to put your lifestyle and, and your ideologies on our kids. That is not your right. And I will fight you for that right because you know what? We have a right to raise our kids in a godly manner that we choose to raise our kids. All right? And you have no right to stop that. Um, and um, number two in Declaration of Independence, um, 
it says the main business of government is to protect these rights. And if a government tries to withhold these rights, the people are free to revolt and set up a new government. You know, government should protect our rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, understand that says pursuit doesn't mean you're going to be happy. It means you have a right to be happy. All right? And really, if you're not saved, you probably will never be happy because you'll never be content. Um, You know... I believe that we need to save America, but I believe the way to save America is to get America saved. And, um, you know, um, that, that is, is it. You know, um, I, I was looking at a couple of our founding fathers. Um, number one, John Hancock. Has anyone ever, I mean, obviously we, we know about John Hancock. We've seen his signatures, you know, and actually that, the, his signature, which is the biggest one, the Declaration of Independence, um, you know, people will say, well, put your John Hancock here. I mean, I, mean, I mean, his name signifies a signature, all right? You know why he didn't sign his name really big? First of all, he was the president of, of, of the Second Continental Congress, so he was the president, so he had the right to, he was the first one who signed it. But he signed it really big was meaning, I believe in this decoration. And I want everyone to know that I believe, so I want to make sure you can read my signature, all right, so he was the one, you know, so, but I didn't know much about John Hancock, but um, I do have a quote that he, that he made. He says, um, that all may bow to the scepter of our Lord Jesus Christ and the whole earth may be filled with his glory. So obviously he must be a Christian man. Patrick Henry, anyone heard of Patrick Henry, his famous quote? It says, give me liberty or give me death. But a lot of you haven't heard of his other quotes. It says, this is another quote by Patrick Henry. It says, it can be emphasized, it, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religious, re- religionists, but by Christians. Not on a religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. He also says this, the Bible is worth all the other books, books which has ever been printed. Now, many people have heard of Thomas Jefferson and many people have attributed um, separation of church and state to Thomas Jefferson. And yes, he did say that, um, but I will let you know that that is not in any kind of documentation that, that controls this government. Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter, and I, I wanna read this. It says, in his first term as president, Thomas Jefferson declared his firm belief in the separation of church and state in a letter to the Danbury, Connecticut Baptist. Now, when you write a letter to something, our our modern version of a letter is a text message. All right, this would be like Thomas Jefferson sending a text message to somebody on what he thinks in life, all right? But when you realize what he thinks, it's a whole lot different than what people have said. He says this, Um, he said, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legislative power of government um, reach actions only, um, not opinions. And I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act on the whole American people, which declared that their legislators should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Basically, Thomas Jefferson says the church, I mean, the state needs to stay out of the church's business. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying that 
we as a church shouldn't be patriotic. We as a church shouldn't um, be involved in politics. He was saying the state has no right to tell a church how to worship God, when to worship God, where to worship God, you know, any kind of restrictions on freedom to worship. That's why I had so much issues during the COVID crisis because they were trying to tell churches, you know, not just churches, but any kind of place of worship, how to have church, when to have church, where to have church, and all kinds of regulations that they have no right and authority to do. We have a freedom in this country, and I thank God for that freedom. And you know what? The government has no right or no ability or no authority to tell a church or, or anyone how to practice religion. Now, that also means, and when it comes to religion, it means that some people can practice stupid religions. All right? I mean, you know, we have religious freedom. And you realize this country was founded on religious freedom way back to the Mayflower days. Remember the Mayflower days? I, know, I mean, I know you don't remember it, but, uh, um, you know, the only thing you might remember is Mayflower is a moving company. But anyway, um, the, when the pilgrims came to America, and we talk about this at Thanksgiving, they came to America to have freedom of worship. That was the whole idea why America was founded on freedom to worship as we please. And, you know, here in the Declaration of Independence, they continued to let people know that we were endowed by our creator to be given life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we have that right. And no one can take that right away from you. No government can take it away from you. And that's why it's important for us to stand up for our rights. Now, I believe one of the reasons we're in the situation that we're in is because so many men and women have taken the letter slash text message that Thomas Jefferson sent to the Baptist convention here and um, have decided that Christians need to stay out of politics. And so what's happened is, is a lot, of, a lot of times that means the people who are controlling the government were not doing that with Christian influence. And I believe that men and women, godly men and women that know the Bible and the Constitution, Amen. that's pretty important, all right, um, should um, run for political office and help govern this country. Because I believe that God has called us, you know, to, to be in all walks of life. And one walks of life is the political arena. Now, my, my dad has said many times, if he was not a preacher, he would be a politician. Because he believes in that. In fact, my dad would probably have been president by now. Um, because that's, you know, his love for this country. And, um, you know, many people have fought and died for this flag right here. But you know what? Not only for our flag, do you realize that America and the American people have fought for freedom around the world? We have fought that other countries could be free. In fact, I was um, on a podcast this week and somebody called in um, who lives in, in um, he lives in Australia, never been to America, loves America, has studied American history, and he says, you know what? The country of Australia wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the United States of America defending our country. And I tell you what, you know, not only have we died for our freedom, we've died for other people, other um, countries' freedom. And, um, you know, 
This flag represents freedom. But also this flag also represents freedom because it was our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that sacrificed his life so that we might be saved and we might live an eternal life. Of course, John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now I was thinking about this, you know, think about Jesus Christ. Whenever he came to this earth, he knew that ultimately, you know, from day one that he was going to sacrifice his life for the entire world. I mean, he knew it from the day he entered. I mean, that was his purpose in life was to sacrifice his life. Now, when it comes to freedom, um, there's a few scriptures that we can read um, um, about freedom. And let me turn there in my Bible. John, um, the eighth chapter, John chapter eight, verse We'll read verse 31 through 36. It says this, And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, um, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You understand, the reason we're free is because we have the word of God. And the word of God tells us that we're free. But the reason we're also free as an individual nation is we have documents that our founding fathers have written that, that preserve our freedom. But if you don't know what, what's written, you don't know what you have. We, if, if you don't realize what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, you don't realize that you have been made free. And um, it goes on to say, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. See, Jesus Christ sacrificed his life so we could be free indeed. That we're no longer slaves to sin. You know, it's, I mean, it's incredible to, to, to think about what, he had to do it. In fact, we know that Jesus, you know, before he died on the cross, as he was praying, he says, Father, if there be any other way, let's do that. I mean, that's what Jesus, so Jesus, you know, we have to understand because sometimes in our own mind, because we, we think about Jesus Christ, the son of God, we don't realize that he walked this earth as a man. He had the same kind of feelings that you and I have. You know, and, and ultimately he knew that, it, that, that he was going to sacrifice his life for us. Still, in a natural sense, you don't want to do it. You know, I'm willing to sacrifice my life so that my kids can be free. But I, I don't want to, but I'm willing to. See, the thing about it is, is Jesus was willing to, but, but ultimately, you know, no one really wants to die. Nobody wants to go through what he went through. But he loved us that much that he was willing to go through that. And it is interesting, um, and I read this a lot in, in um, talking about the devil, but John 10, 10, 
It says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I want to look at this point. It says, I have come that they may have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No, they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. But you know, that that's really goes back to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We can have life and have it more abundantly. Why do we have more abundant life? Because the greater one has came and he died and he sacrificed his life so that we could be free, so that we could have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It was because of Jesus. See, all the things that we have been given to this nation were also because that God, our creator, was the one who gave them to us. You, you, you realize that we were, we were given those rights when we were born as an American. We were given those rights at birth. You know, technically you're given those rights before we were even born from the foundations of the earth that God gave us those rights. Um, but Jesus Christ sacrificed his life so that we may live ours free. The New Living Translation says his purpose in life is to give us a rich and satisfying one. I mean, that was his purpose. Basically, his purpose in life and his purpose in death was to, so that we could be free. Now, you know, a lot of times we don't think about what he went through, but I think that Isaiah, um, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 describes. Now, it's interesting that Isaiah written like 500 or 700, I think 700 years before he was even born, described um, Jesus' death. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. He was battered. And he did that for us. You realize that the cross that he died on didn't belong to him. He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. He died on the cross that belonged to us. He, he, he died in our place to become the supreme sacrifice so that we could have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He died so that we could enjoy life. He died so that we could enjoy life not only here, but in eternity to come. And like I said, just like many people shed their blood for this flag, there was one man who shed their blood for that flag so that we could be free. And um, just like I would fight for, for physical freedom, I'll fight for my spiritual freedom. There is gonna be nobody that's gonna tell me that I cannot preach the gospel. Nobody. And it doesn't matter what kind of sacrifice we have to take in order to do that. And many people have sacrificed their life preaching the gospel around the world. And many, there's many people right now today that are preaching the gospel in countries that they're not allowed to preach the gospel, knowing that if somebody came in there, they, they, they might be killed. But you know what? It's more important for people to be saved, then you know, they're, they're willing to sacrifice their life because Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And they want to make sure that they are free spiritually. But you know, 
it was interesting. It says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. You know, you know if you look in, in the, um, the chastisement, that word means people were punished for, for doing wrong or whatever. They were beaten. They, they were bruised. They were battered. And that's what he did. He, he did that so we could have peace. And, um, you know, it's really hard to, to think about everything that he went through and, and, and how the, the Jewish people made fun of him as he's hanging on the cross. I mean, these same people that a few days earlier were, were, were crying Hosanna to the highest and, you know, all these kind of things now were making fun of him. But um, it's really, you know, in your own mind, think about this. Think about somebody that's beaten you. Think about someone who's made fun of you. Think about you're hanging there, you're beaten, you're bruised, you're battered, you're bleeding. And, you know, and I, I know obviously that no movie has ever been made that really shows how bloody it really was. Even, even the ones you see and they look, seem little, pretty bloody, you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really show how bloody it really was. And, and I know people say, well, that's bloody and gross and gory and whatever. No, it's precious because the precious blood of Jesus was spilled that you shall be free. But he's hanging there on a cross and one of, some of his last words where Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. You know, um, that's really a culmination of the love of God. And, um, you know, a lot of times we as Christians, we get mad because, people, because you know, people say this and do that. And all those things. I mean, think about Jesus. I mean, he's looking there. I mean, he, you know, a lot of people were upset. They actually didn't beat us up. You know, they, they didn't kill us. They just said mean things about us, okay? You know what? People, we live in the United States of America. Everybody's free to have an opinion. Even if their opinion stinks, they're still free to have that opinion. Just like you're free to have an, an opinion. We all have an opinion, all, all right? Sometimes our opinions line up and sometimes they don't. But the fact of the matter is you're free to think the way you think, or you should be free to think the way you think, um, you know, but, you know, this man was beaten, he was bruised, he was battered, and he says, Father, don't even hold it accountable to these people. I mean, you realize that he was doing it for the very people who were m- mocking him. And, um, you know, he sacrificed his life so that we could be free. And he knew that from, from the day that he... That, that he was born, you know, the very first Christmas day, it probably wasn't December 25th, but it doesn't matter. Um, the very first Christmas day, you know, away in a manger and all those kind of things, he knew from that day forward that one day he was going to sacrifice his life for the whole entire world. You realize that that day on Calvary changed your life and changed mine. You realize that 2,000 years ago, the Bible says right here that by his stripes or with his stripes, we were made healed. We were well. We were given authority. We, we were given dominion over all the power of, of darkness.
We were given so many things because of, of, of his death, burial, and resurrection. Because of what he did on Calvary, because what happened after Calvary, and three days later he arose a well and healthy and right-handed side of the Father. And, we, and it, it says that all things are under our feet. You know, I don't believe that most Christians even know what we even possess. Know the power that we possess on the inside. Know, know that, that we have all authority. We've already been given all authority. A lot of times people are praying for stuff that they've been given the authority to claim in the name of Jesus. You know, a lot of times that we don't take the, our authority. We don't realize what we've been given. We don't realize what really took place on Calvary. We don't realize, you know, that, that we, all our sins have been given as far as the east is from the west. It says he'll remember our sins no more. We don't realize his grace, his mercy, his love, his, his forgiveness. We, I mean, it's because it's incomprehensible. It doesn't matter who you are. It's really, it's hard to comprehend the love of God. It's, comp- it's hard to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life. You know, but one of the hardest things to think about, the fact that God himself gave his only son to be sacrificed. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, a love for your kids is unmatched. I mean, you know, you would do anything for your kids. I, I remember I was lying in a hospital bed. Um, you know, I, I had a brain tumor. Many people, if you read about it, had a brain tumor about this big in the back of my head. And my dad looked at me knowing that I was facing, you know, surgery and said, said son, if I could take your place, I would. If, if I could put, if, if, if I could go through this instead of having you go through it, I, I would. I mean, you know, that, that's how most fathers are, that, you know, that they would do anything for their child. So, so the fact that, G, that, that God had to send his only son, I mean, that's huge. But that's how much God loves us. And I think that really shows, as a father, that really shows you how much that our heavenly father really loved the world, that he's willing to sacrifice his own son for mankind. You know, and that commitment, that's, that's the thing. Many people have committed their life for the protection of this flag. Just like one man committed his life for the protection of this flag. You know, um, it's a great day. You know, a lot of times too, it's when we have holidays, whether they're, you know, holidays like Christmas and and Easter, which are Christian holidays or holidays like the 4th of July or Memorial Day or whatever. A lot of times we forget about what took place in order to have these holidays. And because, you know, we're, we're so caught up in, in our barbecues and our fireworks and, you know, our, you know, getting together with family and friends or, that we forget about what it really means and why we're here. You know, sometimes also we forget when we look at a communion table, we forget, you know, about Jesus' sacrifice so that we could take communion. Basically, by taking communion, we're, we're saying, you know what, we're taking freedom in our life today. We are free because of Jesus' sacrifice. And, and, you know, that's what communion's all about. But we're free, you know, as, as an American, 
we are free because of 56 men were willing to sacrifice everything, you know, and, you know, and put everything on the line so that we could be free. And we're free because one man put everything on the line so that we could be free. So today, when you're taking communion, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ, first of all, loves you so much. It doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter where you've, you, you've been. It doesn't matter how far that you've, you've strayed for him, from him. He still loves you. And he sacrificed his life for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every person that's here and watching online. Father God, help us to all understand that we have been made free, both spiritually and naturally. Father God, thank you for allowing us to live in this great country of the United States of America. Thank you, Father, for what it represents. But Father God, we thank you that we'll continue to make sure that we have freedom for the rest of our lives and the rest of our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids' lives. But Father God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on the cross so that we could be free so that we would be able to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But Father God, we thank you today. If somebody is here that doesn't know your son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, that they won't leave this place without the saving knowledge of him. If you're here this morning and you say, Craig, I don't know Jesus Christ. I've never made him Lord and Savior in my life. There's no better time to do that than a communion Sunday. If that's you, you're here and you say, Craig, I've never been saved and I want to be saved today. Lift your hand and we want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you do have that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ becoming your Lord and Savior. Or maybe here today and you say, you don't know whether you've ever been saved or not. You know, you can live your life in a garage and never become a car. Just like you can come to church all your life and never be saved. If you've never had what my grandfather called a no-so experience, if you don't know whether you're saved or not, lift your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure you know so. Or maybe here tonight, today, and you say, Craig, I want to publicly rededicate my life to God. If that's you, lift your hand. We want to pray with you across this auditorium. I want to make sure that there might be any persons that needs to be saved or want to rededicate their life to God. Father God, I don't see any hands, but we thank you right now if anyone is here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for sending laborers across their path, and we thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.